Okay, I need to... Sweet, we're live. So right before know. we uh, we hopped on here, Leanne and I were talking a little bit about the fitness influencer space and how it is uh, messing up people's expectations about fitness and health. So if we could jump into that, I think that's a great topic to start off with. Yeah, definitely. So it's mainly like the Instagram fitness influencers that we're talking about. Because when I first started with fitness, it was like YouTube for the information, really. But then you see all like the biggest guys, like the best physiques on Instagram. So that's what I pay so much attention to. And it just really messes up your expectations in terms of what you can achieve, like how good, or how big you need to be to have a good physique. So it's just really toxic, really. Yeah. And a lot of these guys that are like claiming natural, like you were saying, like Simeon Panda and stuff, it's just yeah. like there's there's no way. I mean, obviously, his genetics, no his genetics yeah. and work ethic have to be unbelievable. 100%. But to maintain that physique, it just does not seem realistic. So, like, yeah. who are some guys that you look to that you feel like are natural and are setting a good example in the fitness? Definitely. Place? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, um, Austin Dunham, he's one. Have you heard of Austin Dunham? I don't think so, no. Okay, he's, he's not absolutely huge, especially on IG, but he's many a calisthenics guy, and now he's moved more like lifestyle content, but he's hit about like a meal on YouTube. But he's got such a good physique, and um, I think he's definitely natural based on how he's progressed, like his rate of progression since he started. And also he's like five foot 11 and weighs around like 173 pounds. So obviously not even like that big, compared to some influencers, but he's still got an amazing physique. And I think it's a really good example of how good natural physique can be. Obviously, if you've got decent genetics plus the work ethic. Yeah, and those metrics is kind of exactly what I'm going for right now. I'm a bit yeah. shorter, I'm like 5'10", but I'm around like 177 pounds. I'm trying to yeah. get down to like 170-ish to like cut maybe to like 12% body fat. But what is your like measurables right now? Yeah, so right now, um so i did another bulk over the um like summer and then the winter and now i've cut a bit down and now i'm literally so i'm five foot nine and then right now i would think about 165 pounds fasted so i'm really not that big at all but it looks like it on like twitter for example i think it just really shows like how you can have a physique that looks really good not even being that big yeah, definitely. And I feel like the leaner you are, it also yeah. makes you be, you're perceived Make, as being yeah. bigger too. And you're exactly. more cut. Yeah, because yeah, that's I definitely think a real like thing, the, yeah. based on like the fitness pictures on Twitter, it's like, damn, like this dude is huge. <laughs> um, and yeah. you definitely look bigger than me, but I weigh more than you, which is interesting. Um, yeah. It also may have to do with like sports background. So for me, like growing up, it was a lot of focus on like building the lower body and I naturally have a bigger lower body. So I think that's where I carry mm. a lot of my weight. But you yeah. growing up, like, did, were you into sports and athletics or like, how did you get into fitness in the first place? Yeah. So when I was in like primary school, I'm from the UK. So that's age like four to like 10, 11. So I was like, um, I was like a really fast runner, really athletic. Then once I got to secondary school, it's like high school in America, like 11 years old. Then I didn't have my like growth spurt until like, I was like 14, 15. So I ended up falling massively behind it when I'm being really small, which meant that when I tried to play football and things, like I played football, like a local team, was we played football at lunchtimes of things. 
I was just so much smaller than everyone. So I really fell behind. That was like really, really difficult for me. And then I became quite injury prone as well. So with that, that didn't go so well. And then I got into fitness and I was about just turning 17 because I've been so small and skinny my whole life and I just really wanted to get bigger. And that was when I decided to, yeah. Does that still drive you to this day? Like being smaller your whole life, is that kind of a motivation behind it? Yeah, so it was definitely what really got me going. But now like coming up four years later, I'm really happy with my physique and I've basically got my dream physique when I started. So now I'm like fully happy with how I look and it's not so much a driver. Um, but that was when I the drive, like the way for it, it was like how I felt so small and weak and how that didn't feel good. I was like, did terrible with girls my teenage years. So that was a really big thing as well. Like now that I've got the physique and everything else is better. I feel happy with my body completely now. Yeah. And I feel like building your physique is the first step in terms of like building that confidence. Um, yeah. And for me, it's a bit similar. Um, I wasn't as much into like lifting and fitness because I was really into athletics, but yeah. growing up, I was also like really small and mm. I had a birthday that aligned with, I had to play with like the older kids, like a year older, yeah. or two years older. And so I had to play up. And so I was really small and weak. And so I think that motivated me to like, want to over, over exceed, over excel um, in terms yeah. of like high school sports and stuff. But yeah, tell me a little bit more about like, why you decided to get into the fitness Twitter space specifically? Fitness Twitter, yeah. Yeah, so basically, um, so I've been watching like tons of self-improvement content, fitness influence for a few years. And it looked like such a fun life to have where you're literally making your money, have your career about things that you love. And I, um, I thought I could get a decent life with like just a job. Then I sort of realized in the end, well, lifestyle I want like, being able to make a decent amount of money, travel loads, things like that, and like have more time for what I enjoy, like fitness, so improvement. It's literally only possible to get that from online business. So at that point, I decided, okay, I've got to try and do this. And then I knew who Dan Coe was. I knew him from Instagram. And he recommended that you get started with Twitter because with Twitter, it's like quite easy to grow in the beginning compared to other platforms. And for me as well, I really didn't, fancy so much making like video content like pictures for instagram much preferred like the ideas and writing so that's why i chose twitter and that's how i got started with that i got you yeah it's very similar for me in terms of like finding dan and starting to grow on twitter and what yeah. he says and what i agree with is like starting on twitter is i'd say like maybe we're biased but the smartest move because all the other content you see on other platforms like YouTube and Instagram, like they're all written content. Like, yeah, they are more visually mm -hmm. aesthetic and appealing, but behind all of it, there's the YouTube scripts behind the, the Instagram shorts. There's literally written scripts. So if you figure out how to write viral worthy content on Twitter, you can eventually bring that over to Instagram and YouTube once you already have that following. Versus if you start on Instagram and you're just posting like shirtless pictures, you're never yeah. going to be forced to write and like learn how to write sales copy and learn how to market. So yeah, I think Twitter is a great start for like anybody that wants to get into the fitness space. Um, yeah. And going off that, like in terms of fitness, Twitter, how has your journey been in terms of finding clients and like, what is your approach to that? Yeah, so 
I've been on Twitter since June. I mainly focus on like fitness coaching since end of October. So yeah, with clients, it's basically just uh, writing content, having the call to action to coach into the threads, um, DMing new followers, doing like auto DMs and following up with everyone who engaged in those, which people who don't know is basically on Twitter. You can make like a resource and say to people, like, this is the resource. If you comment and like or DM it to you, that's an auto DM. So then you get tons of people in your inbox you can DM and talk to. So those are the main ways we've gone clients so far. And um, with getting clients, this is something I find really interesting. So obviously, like I do fitness coaching and everything, but it's not just so much about looking like a good fitness coach. So much of getting clients is like the marketing and like the sales process as well, like the sales calls when you get prospects. So like for example, for me, like the sales skills has been a massive focus of mine because it's like, I know the fitness stuff super well, coaching clients, that goes well, it's easy. But um, with like the actual business side of the sales skills, that's something that's really interesting for me that I needs to focus on. Yeah, and I think in the long run, like the online approach to fitness and coaching people is so much more sustainable because, mm. and I think you're you're in such a good spot by starting this so early because a lot of like the personal trainers that start on the gym floor and like they're doing one-on-one, you don't have any leverage, right? You can only train exactly. one person an hour. But if you build up this following, imagine in like three or five years, you could be training like hundreds of people at once through like a cohort or a community. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah. Dude, it's such a long game. And like, mm. t- you haven't even been in the game a year. Imagine like exactly. three, five years. 100%. Yeah, literally. When, when we think about the top guys in our space, like uh, Dakota Robertson, Jake Emelina, Dan Go, Dickie Bush, et cetera, they're like three years ish in. Obviously, they're the best of the best. There's like survivorship bias, but you can clearly see their journey, how things compound. So yeah, once you've got like a massive audience after like three years of compounding, then you can do things like cohort coaching, which is so high leverage, there's such a huge opportunity. And that's literally something I probably plan to do in a few years time once I've got a big enough audience. Yeah, dude, yeah. it's so exciting because you see the people before you that have already walked the path and you can mm. emulate them and be like, this is what worked for them. I'm going to try to walk the same path. Um, but yeah, it's, I think the compounding point is so true. And this is where most people fall off. The first three to six months, like your growth (laughs) is going to be stagnant. Like it's so fast, right? (laughs) Once you hit like this tipping point, then it starts to become exponential. Like I was checking out my email list. So I actually started my email list before Twitter, like not, Mm. not very intelligently, but kind of just by accident. Um, Like I stumbled into this space, but yeah, the first 34 weeks writing the email, I only gained like a couple hundred subscribers. Yeah. And in the last five weeks, I've 4X that to like 1,400 yeah. subscribers. And it's just crazy because like you have to be willing to put in those inputs at the start when nobody's paying attention to get those compounding effects eventually. 100%. Yeah, definitely. With the online game, it's so, so slow in the beginning. Like at the point we're at, if you think about the sort of metrics you were getting in like the first three months, it's just like nothing. It's like a flat line. But you have to go through that time of getting just almost no results to get to the point where you get those exponential returns. And like for me, I think the main mindset that helps me towards the beginning when hardly anything is going on is that for me, as I said um, towards the beginning of the podcast, was that 
I realized having an online business is the only way to get my dream life that I want. It's actually the only way. So I literally had the mindset of, I will never quit. Like, I just can't quit. I'll just keep on going. Eventually, I must get there. But just that I'm not doing this for the results now. I'm doing this for life will set me up for in years' time. So I think that's what gets keeps you going because it's like you literally cannot get excitement from going from like getting 100 followers, 200 followers, or like 10 likes, like or, or two likes in the beginning, or, or like like 17 impressions. You can't get excited by that. But if you've got in your mind how things, how like better things could be in the future, you've got in mind how you're gonna have your dream life in the future in online business. I think that's what keeps you going in the beginning. For sure. And how did you come to that conclusion that online business was the only way? Like, was it a book? Was it a podcast? Yeah. Was it a specific person? Yeah. So like, um, basically, so I'm currently going to university and I do international management and Spanish. So I absolutely love Spanish. I love living in Spain. So with my degree, my, the pl- my plan was with the degree, I'll become fluent in Spanish. Then I'll get like an ordinary job in Spain. I love Spain. And then the work will be in Spanish. I love Spanish. So that'd be quite nice, quite a nice life. But then my first started an internship last summer. It was through this company that was that did a lot of photography. So I was looking at these like travel pictures on Instagram um, for photos for like our social media content. And just seeing all these guys traveling to these amazing places in the world, it looks so nice. I just sort of realized, well, I can never live this sort of life of a job. I'll get like two weeks holiday a year. These guys, they're just everywhere all the time. And it just made me realize that jobs are just so limited. You're just like making this trade like, okay, you've been one spot for 50 weeks for a two-week holiday. You have a very like capped income. There's no like exit plan until you retire, which is like in your 60s or even 70s maybe. And I just sort of realized that all these guys I see online, like the influencers, fitness, some improvement stuff, they're living such a cool life that doesn't have these limits. So live the best life I've got to try, but to make it work. That's sort of how I realized exactly. That's super cool. And I had such a similar realization. Uh, Mine was more so from Naval, just Mm. listening to him and, his explanation of like the internet has brought in the possibilities of a career so extensively, but most people haven't figured this out. And basically how like you can literally create your own career through your own personal brand and it evolves as you evolve over your life. So like right now you're doing fitness and that will be your means to create your dream life. For me, it started off as writing and now I might actually kind of be pivoting more into like the fitness and self-improvement space myself. Mm. But the coolest thing about like this path is you don't know exactly where it's going to lead you like geographically or financially, because when you have that set job or set career, you could see the path in front of you. You see, Oh, you see your superior who's like 20 years ahead. And like, that's going to be me in 20 years. But for us, because this creator economy is like so new there's nobody to look to really for like, this is what I'll be doing in 20 years. It's changing and evolving. And I think that's what makes it so fun. And something that I think is really cool from your perspective is, you know, Spanish now pretty well. And like, you're living in Spain. Um, You're going to unlock so many different parts of the world because of a, your ability to speak Spanish and b your ability to make money online because dude, you could go anywhere in South America and be totally fine. Like I'm in Argentina right now. And like my mm-hmm. Spanish is 
my Spanish is probably at like a kindergarten level, like maybe, maybe less. It's not that good. It's serviceable. Like I can just like mm. say, how are you? Like I can order and stuff, but it's somewhat limited in terms of having conversation. But for you, it's like, dude, yeah, the world is your oyster. You can do anything you want. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And like with Latin America as well. Um, something I just thought of you saying that it's like, because I can speak Spanish, like basically fluently now, I don't need to strip myself that like, touristy places or places where I'm like, these people definitely speak English. I can go absolutely anywhere because I've noticed at all if people that speak a word of English, they're completely fine for me. So yeah, I'm really interested about that now. It just unlocks into possibility. That's a big reason why I think languages are so good because I think, um, I think I mentioned this in the phrase I wrote, but it's sort of like when you go traveling or you go to a country, if you know the language, you just get such best experience it's so much better like you feel less like a tourist you feel more at home you can talk to people and connect to people better it's just such a better experience for sure and one of the things that i've been reading about in terms of like overall life quality and happiness it's this it's this book flow by uh mm. this this psychologist named me yeah. i'm not even gonna try the last name Can't Short, class last name yeah yeah no, i don't yeah. know but um <laughs> great book anybody out there who's interested in like bettering the quality of their life, definitely look it up. But anyway, so the premise of the book is like, we live our best lives when we're in a flow state the most of the mm. time. And for me, a big time I get into flow state is like getting into social flow. I love yeah, conversation. Same. Like that's why I even do the podcast. I just love conversation. Mm. And something that is getting me out of social flow every day right now is trying to talk to these people in Spanish because my Spanish is so limited and every conversation becomes uncomfortable. But yeah, getting in that social flow state and being able to be bilingual and just connect with people, you'd understand the culture so much better. Do you think yeah. you would, like, what's your next move, do you think, in terms of location? Like, would you ever come to South America? Yeah, I don't think I told you this, actually, but I'm, I'm planning on moving to Paraguay next summer, next year, like June 2024. I'm planning on moving there with Suleiman. Do you know Suleiman? Yeah, yeah. Simon, brother, yeah, I'm planning going with him. He's a really close to a friend of mine. That's my plan. Yeah, go there, live in Latin America, get the zero percent tax residency, all that stuff. That's my plan. Okay, so Paraguay is zero percent income tax. Do you have to like? How does that work? Yeah, so basically they have this like um, temporary residency scheme. So you do you get the scheme? It's like getting a visa. And then you pay 0% tax on your income that you earn from like foreigners. Yeah, yeah. 0% you earn from um, foreigners. No, is it foreigners or? Well, basically, because my income isn't going to be coming from Paraguayans, like I won't get into like fitness coaching plants probably, that then means that I pay zero tax. Interesting. Because you and only so you, pay tax domestically, yeah. You don't have to pay tax back to the UK. So I assume not because residency in Paraguay, but I haven't checked out that detail. There's yeah. some things someone mentioned to me. I have to look into that. I haven't looked in so closely because obviously it's like a year away. But once I've got residency in Paraguay, I probably wouldn't, but I don't know. But we'll see. I hope not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, there's so many little tax loopholes and stuff. And I know like Dakota actually just set up a tax residency and like long-term stay thing in Panama. 
But yeah, the difference too. is he's from Canada. And so from Canada, yeah. you can do that and you don't lose your Canadian citizenship. As a U.S. Mm. citizen, you would you you have to give up your citizenship in order to yeah. like pay taxes, I believe, in a different currency. Um, I'm sure there's I think the, like I think the U.S. But- yeah, I think the U.S. might be particularly strict on it. So talking to another guy, and it seems like the U.S. is extremely strict on like trying to get their citizens tax, <laughs> don't want them to leave. So also yeah. looking to the U.K. was more closely nearer the time, but I don't think we might finish you. Um, but another thing as well is obviously this is very extreme to say, but it's like in terms of my U.K. citizenship. Um, I don't really plan on living in the UK much at all or being there much. So I couldn't be happy to look at what would happen if I didn't have UK citizenship anymore. Because to me, it's like, I don't want to live there. So what do I need citizenship for? I haven't looked into it at all, not decided at all, but just in general, it's like for me, I don't really see much of a future there. I want to live in other countries like past America, Spain, anywhere else. So yeah, I have to look at the finer details, but even if I did have to still pay tax, I was still moving to Latin America anyway. So it's not a big issue. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in a very similar spot. Like my beliefs around this are still forming, I think, but mm. like my whole life growing up, I was like very patriotic and like America's the best, you know, um, yeah. just like one of those guys. But now that I'm mm. like seeing parts of the world, I'm like, damn, there's a lot of really good things about the rest of the world. Um, and you can't really see that until you step outside your bubble or your culture. 100%. But yeah, yeah I, I don't see myself maybe living in America for a decent period of time. Now, there are some yeah. places that I think would be really cool. Like Austin, Texas would be yeah, awesome nice. just because of like the people there. I think that's the number mm. one thing. Like there's so many yeah. writers and podcasters and people that are are doing very similar stuff to us there. And I think being in that bubble or that environment could be huge. Also, Texas is uh, 0% income tax too. So that could be State an tax. interesting idea. Yeah. Versus Rick, right okay. now, I'm still a citizen of Illinois, a resident of Illinois. Yeah. And so I have to pay like 40% income tax. It's crazy, bro. Yeah. Oh, sad, yeah. Even with Texas, even if it's 0% state tax, some sort of federal tax right yes definitely so there's always going to be that what? federal tax uncle sam <laughs> yeah. always has got to get his <laughs> yeah. money that's what i mean yeah. yeah they don't need to escape yeah dude i'm reading this book right now it's called the sovereign individual and mm. it talks about how like in the future governments will have to start to treat their citizens as customers or else everybody will leave because the world is becoming yeah. so much more globalized so like you you're leaving to go to paraguay because it's like better it's better for your online business yeah. so from the uk's perspective how are they going to retain very intelligent entrepreneurs and citizens they have yeah. to start changing laws or changing things so that it makes more sense to stay or even like these digital mm. nomads from america there's a reason people are leaving right like for governments to retain their citizens they're going to have to start treating us as customers and i think this is yeah. a great trend like Throughout history, the individual has gained more power, like over time. Mm. And I think it's just going to continue more and more. And people are just going to become so sovereign and so independent. But yeah, that's a topic yeah. I want to look into more for sure. I don't know enough about it. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. It's already happening to some extent, isn't it? Think all the people going to Dubai, for example. Yeah. Like it's already happening. And um, more countries are getting specific digital nomad visas. It's like Spain recently just got one and like 
the digital nomads get such special treatment. For example, if you're if you're like an ordinary worker in Spain, once you get up to like something around 100 to 200k a year, you're paying like 47% tax or something. It's like in the 40s. But then if you're a digital nomad on a digital nomad visa, your income, your income tax is capped at 25% up to your mm. first 600k that year. So you just pay less tax. They just put in a clear difference discriminating between digital nomads and ordinary employees. Just yeah, to be it's so interesting. Competitive. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how more and more people adapt to this lifestyle because mm. I mean, more and more people are working online now and like they're yeah. realizing that they can travel. And especially with our generation, like now that we see it's possible, I can't see myself going back. I think the, the mm-hmm. issue is like, not necessarily issue, but most people are still set in like the conventional like career path nine to five in person. Yeah. But I think like more and more people are trending towards autonomy and taking control of their own lives. Um, mm. Actually, one thing you brought up about Dubai and one of the people I like really like in the fitness space is Mike Thurston. Are you uh, are you fan? Yeah, I know Mike Thurston. Yeah, um, he lives in Dubai yeah, right. now, I believe. Yeah, right? of course. He's lived there for a few years. Yeah, he got it early. Yeah. So he's been one of the big people I've looked up to in the fitness industry lately. So like Mm. who else for you, like right now, do you kind of like model your business after model your body or your workout plans after? Interesting question. So yeah, to be honest, there isn't like a specific someone through the business or the workout plans. Like I feel on the, on like the fitness side rather than business, I like loved Austin Dunn and he was like eyes of mine. Another Instagram guy called Evan Johnson. He's not so well known, but it's because I think he's naturally the physique that I could get. So I sort of looked up to those guys, like my, like the present embodiment of my like dream physique. And then I learned loads of stuff through training from um, like more advanced coaches on Instagram. Like his name on Instagram is like Lift Run Bang. His name is Paul Carter. Somebody calls Coach Kassem. Have you heard of that guy? I've not. No, I'm yeah. I'm not as deep into the fitness space as you yeah. are. So these are all new. I'm gonna have to look them up after. Yeah. So it's like when I first got into fitness, it was like the biggest influencers on like YouTube, Instagram. But then deeper I got in, I came across these more like advanced coaches that'd be really specific on like training and the science behind it. So those are the guys I learned about the training from, and then like Austin Dunham, I got Evan Johnson for like the physique, like watching physique. So. But a bit of like a nuanced journey to be honest, the fitness stuff. I'm not just stuck to ordinary like big YouTubers because as like a rose of thread on like today even, it can be a bit shallow. A lot of the information and what you see. So yeah, that's my part of that. And what is your philosophy right now around training and nutrition? Like what do you yeah. do and what do you tell your clients? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So training. Um Basically, there's a f- like four factors we can go through. It's like it's best to do moderate volume rather than high volume. Loads of people do loads and loads of sets, like four sets per exercise, tons of exercises. One fitness influencer I saw had a like push workout where there was 16 sets for chest in one workout. It's ridiculous. Like not high volume, moderate volume. Me and my clients literally do like two sets per exercise. So moderate volume because the more volume you do the more tired that your muscles are getting 
And basically, because they're not performing at their best because they're tired, we're getting less stimulus for growth. So it's like you're getting less stimulus for growth and more fatigue. So it's not worth it. And then like intensity, going really close to failure. A lot of people don't train hard enough. So if you're going really, really close to failure, then you know. It also means you can get away with less volume because you're pushing harder. Uh, rep ranges, another big one. A lot of people say like hypertrophy rep range, like 12 to 15 plus. But they're sort of the opposite. So it's actually really only the last five reps in a set to failure that generates enough mechanical tension in the muscle for muscle growth, like effectively. So it's like five to eight rep range going close to failure. That's most efficient. Then rest times, got to rest for at least three minutes. We're going to do short rest times, sort of like with the volume, who's not training the muscles at their best. So it's just a waste of time not to stimulate them as much. So it's the main training factors. The nutrition, I take quite like a simple approach to nutrition, especially for bulking, because it's like you just got to eat in a calorie surplus. So the approach I take with that, with my clients especially, is weigh yourself daily. And then if your weight isn't going up, just start eating more. So when it goes like track their calories, say, I'm eating so much, I'm not gaining weight. Let's just like eat more. <laughs> and then obviously high protein. So that came for like a gram per pound of body weight, quite standard. That's the main thing, really. I take like a simple approach to that, to be honest. I got you. And like for your eating time frames, like what do your normal meal times look like? And like what is a normal yeah. meal or a normal day of eating, I guess, for you? Yes, in the morning, I have breakfast as soon as I wake up, which is normally a bowl of cereal, not like, not like sugary cereal, just ordinary cereal, like a protein shake. And for lunch, um, so when I'm at the office for internship, I normally have like protein flapjacks and like a sandwich from the bakery. Um, when I'm at the coffee shop, I have like a ham like sort of ham sandwich there. Um, and then for dinner, I normally have something like chicken pesto pasta, um like salmon and like salmon and rice salmon and vegetables um steak like suited to fries that sort of stuff but i'm bulking it's mainly just having so much chicken pesto pasta because it's so high calorie and so easy to get through that's mainly what i go for and then um as like a fourth meal i have like a gainer shake just the ordinary like my protein gainer powder mixed with like milk I normally have that like quite shortly before bed to physically need more to physically need more calories. That's what my standard day of eating looks like. Very interesting. Uh, it's very different than what I'm doing right now. My approach. So mm. for me, like my priority is being able to focus and do deep writing and deep work. And so, like yeah. for me, when I eat too early, it makes me have brain fog. Like I can't focus mm. as much. So the new philosophy I've adopted. And obviously this goes without saying, but like, there's no one size fits all. It's like, you got to yeah. experiment and it works for you, but I love intermittent fasting. Um, it mm. just makes me sharp and focused like throughout the morning. So like right now I'm fasted and I'm just caffeinated and hydrated with water. And I feel like sharp and locked in versus yeah. when I eat and then I'm going to eat like a big fucking meal later. Like I like, when I mm. eat, I like to eat a lot. And so yeah. I want to save that until later. And then I'll be more of in like a sedated, relaxed state and I won't want to work, but I'll want to maybe like socialize or I'll maybe want to read or like watch something on YouTube. Um, so I usually save that big meal for like seven or seven o'clock at night um, mm. throughout the day. So I'm like really hard on uh, Greg O'Gallagher's approach right now, Kino body. Yeah. Um, 
and it's been working well for me. So it's like the first couple hours of the day, just drink sparkling water, just like it'll set the appetite and set the stomach. And then next couple hours, have a couple black coffees. I'll sometimes do an energy drink too. Like usually when I have a podcast, I like to do the energy drink, like just yeah. something to have. So I have a monster right now. <laughs> I know it's not great for like gut health and stuff, but it is zero yeah. sugar. So I'm not going to beat myself up too bad. Yeah. And then around like 3 p.m. or something, I'll usually have like some fruit and like a, a whey protein shake. So a couple hundred calories just to like mm. get myself going through dinner. And then when I do hit the gym, it's around four or five. And then I'll eat the big meal after the gym. So like seven. And that's usually like a pound of meat, um, usually steak and then like vegetables and then some type of carb. Um, but yeah, that's been working for me well. And then yeah. I'm curious for you, like what, what type of supplementation are you going with right now? Yeah, at the moment, it's just creatine. Um, back when I was in the UK, I would have vitamin D as well, because obviously hardly any sunlight in the UK, but now I'm in Spain, I don't need that. So yeah, just creatine vitamin D really. Um, there's other things like just an ordinary multivitamin, but I don't really have that anymore. Because so I think I saw some research quite a lot on Instagram back when I used to use Instagram about how like multivitamin supplements they actually have like a really bad absorption rate the body doesn't absorb them very well at all um it's probably mainly just like for the basic tablets or things like more expensive stuff like athletic greens or something they probably do absorb better mm -hmm. so yeah, i don't think what's for that reason but yeah it's just like vitamin d in the uk and then creating all the time yeah and the uh, the athletic greens portion is so interesting like I wish I was taking that. It's just a bit expensive for me right now. It's like 80 yeah. bucks a month. I do take um, BPN uh, Strong Green. So it's Nick Bear. He's at, he's like a fitness influencer. Yeah, yeah. He has uh, greens powder. It's like 30 bucks a month versus 80. And so I do take that just to make sure I'm getting those greens in. I do eat, I try to eat like fruits and vegetables, but it never hurts to like supplement those greens. Um, some other stuff mm. that like, I'm getting more interested in are like testosterone enhancing supplements. Oh yeah. So, I forgot to mention. Yeah. I've recently started taking ashwagandha as well. Ashwagandha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Recently, yeah. Yeah. That's one of the key ones. I'm, I'm not taking it, but I think it's in my greens powder. I didn't have to check. That. Okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've actually seen like conflicting research on ashwagandha. Some people say it like, it like sedates you because it drops your cortisol yeah. so much. Um. I used and to take it to try to manage stress. Yeah, and messages. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, there's some other things out there that I'm seeing are really good for testosterone health. Yeah. Like Tongat Ali, um, yeah. zinc, magnesium, boron, mm. vitamin D is obviously huge. And a yeah. lot of people are really deficient in these things. And yeah, like the research and statistics around testosterone levels in our generation are like terrifying it's like Grim. the average yeah. male right now has 50 percent of the testosterone that his great-grandfather had 50 percent yes it's gone from a yeah. thousand nanograms per deciliter to like 500 now and like that's average and so a lot of people are way below that and yeah. there's so many things out there that are just zapping our testosterone but i don't know have you looked into the this at all yeah i've looked into a little bit um but for, for me like so things like testosterone is, yeah. I mean, it's hard to say anymore what is the true natural healthy range because it's like with the reference ranges now, like the reference ranges now have been adapted 
to the fact that we're naturally like low testosterone on average. So for example, the healthy range is something like, like 300 to 1,000 now. So you can be down like 300 and get called healthy by a doctor. But then is that so healthy? But I think it's a little unclear. So it's like for me personally, because I'm in the healthy range, I haven't looked into it so much. So I just felt like boosting myself naturally to be in a slightly healthier, being like a slightly higher natural range isn't that much of an effect. So instead, I've been focusing on everything else, like reinvesting into the business, also my internship takes up a lot of time, uh, Spanish, that sort of stuff. It sort of felt like those things have a bigger impacts. So these are micro things with health testosterone. They can be good, I think, 100%. But for me personally, I felt like fitness is going really well already and to like holistically focus on everything else in life as well. Yeah. And have you gotten your testosterone levels checked before? Yeah, but not recently. So I got them checked when I was, I think, around 14 or 15 because I started getting gynecomastia. And yeah, my testosterone was down to like, I think it was around 350. Yeah, that was when I was like 14, 15, going through puberty. It was that low. Yeah. So nowadays, it's probably a bit high, obviously, but I don't know. I've got it checked recently. So it's not sure I need to. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I've never gotten mine checked either, but I'm curious to now that I'm learning yeah. so much more about it and I'm actually trying to prioritize it. But there are some things I'm doing that I know are still not great. Like even drinking out of this plastic water bottle is not great because of the yeah. estrogenic effects of it, like the BPAs and stuff. Yeah. And it's it's like impossible to completely avoid all these things. Yeah. But yeah. I think the main the main things that I've been seeing are avoid seed oils don't cook with vegetable oils try to avoid all the processed yeah, garbage use like yeah. olive oil coconut oil yeah get yeah. sunlight sunlight is huge mm. exercise yeah. sleep avoid alcohol mm. like the main pillar things but yeah if you take the inverse of all those like that's what the average guy is doing right now in society drinking 100%. alcohol not getting any sunlight eating refined sugar and fast food and just garbage, not yeah. working out, not sleeping well. And so then our testosterone levels plummet. And then we mm. wonder why there's such a epidemic of like depression running wild. I think yeah. when your testosterone is low, you don't want to put in effort and you don't want to go for goals. I know like back two mm. years ago, I it was the start of my college um, day. So I was like 19 and I think my testosterone got extremely low because all I would do all the time was smoke weed and play video games and just eat shitty food and neglect sleep and drink alcohol. And I had no motivation or ambition. And now that I'm trying yeah. to like do these good habits, I feel so fucking motivated now. It's so yeah, interesting. I yeah, that has such a huge impact. Like when it comes to guys getting older, um, a massive symptom of like testosterone deficiency is literally low mood or depression. When you have like low testosterone, your mood is literally just worse. Like, think testosterone, a lot of people hear it and think just like, I don't know, being macho or for like your physique, but it affects everything in your health, like affects your mood, affects your stress levels. Like if you've got low testosterone, you literally can't even sleep as well. Things like that affects everything. So it's definitely really important to get in this healthy range. And Going for the factors of like why so many average guys low testosterone. Another one is that being high body fat reduces your testosterone as well. Yeah. And it's like, obviously, most people are literally overweight or obese. Yeah. So that's not a big thing. And what you're talking about the fundamentals like eating healthily, getting sleep, sunlight, 
less alcohol. I think if you can just get like the fundamentals, normal stuff, right? You're getting like 80% of the way there anyway. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the YouTuber First Man, right? He made yeah. a video called like testosterone boosting tier list. And something he said was like, the actual basic stuff that everyone knows, that's like 80% of it. All like the little things, they can add up. But really think about it. Most people with low testosterone, they're missing all the basic things. So it's like, if you can just do well on those, you'll be nearly the whole way there. Yeah, that's such a valid argument and a valid point of just make sure you hit the fundamentals and the basics because, yeah. okay, you could take Ashwagandha and Tongat Ali, but if you're if you're not getting sun and you're not sleeping, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, And the same goes with fitness. Like, yeah, you could take creatine and you can supplement with whey protein powder and you could yeah. make sure like you do a cold bath at the exact right time and all this stuff. <laughs> yes. But yeah. if you're not eating clean and like hitting the gym nothing none of that stuff matters it's all just like the icing on the cake i guess yeah no 100 percent, and especially natural supplements as well like obviously we've seen studies on like that like tonga ali can be really powerful so actually guns up but like realistically as well the natural supplements it's like creating for example it's natural supplements so it's like it's making a little bit of difference not that much it's natural so Really, I think people need, there's like this like phrase I heard. It's like, don't major in the minor things. Just focus on step the most important things and then you'll mm-hmm. be good. And something as well with like um, health and fitness, even as like a fitness coach, it's just like, yeah, fitness is really important in everything, but it is only one aspect of your life. So it's like, are you going to spend all your time thinking about how you can know fundamentals plus equal supplements plus um, avoid estrogenics every single way somehow plus like do a cold plunges sauna routine plus have like a infrared red light sauna things like that it's really time consuming right there's, yeah. there's so many aspects we'll have to focus on as well so i feel like it's good to go 80 percent on like the few most important aspects like fitness business um other things like special skill like language learning all these things i feel like you can nail the few things that are most important rather than trying to go 100% in one area and neglecting the rest. I feel like overall your life should be better. There's so many different aspects of life. I completely agree. And I think nailing those fundamentals on all the aspects, like fitness, business, yeah, exactly. everything, I think those build the momentum to where you can set your life up to get the extra 20% benefit. Yeah, because in a, no- a normal person, like working a nine to five, they're not going to maybe have the time, the finances or anything to have a cold plunge in their house or have an infrared sauna, exactly. like buy all yeah. these supplements. And so I think stressing out about those little things is not important, but if you can nail the basic things and get mm. yourself to a point where like you can make, you can have the life set up of maybe you get your own sauna. Maybe you can now yeah. afford like athletic greens and all these supplements. Then like you just excel like on a different level. But I think to get to the point where you can get those other things, you have to nail the fundamentals. So valid. Exactly. You're hundred percent. And like a big way I think of it, think of it is like your online business. It's like so hard and time consuming to get the online business off the ground. Mm-hmm. But then once it is, you have such free time to focus on these other things. So it's like, if you're like, if you still, if you're still stuck with nine to five or like university degree, plus trying to start to get online business, you don't have that much time left over other things, even fitness. So it's like, if you can have like a full-time thing plus online business, 
plus and max out fitness and health and all the little things as well, it's just almost impossible. So it's like, I think First Man talks about it a lot about how you can do these things in segments. So it's like, he'll say, for example, just focus on success and fitness. So like your job, online business, fitness, but like building up the body, not so much, like absolutely amazing health. And then once you've got the business, then you can drop the job. Then once the business is doing so well, you don't need to spend much time on it. Then you can focus more on help, like the little health things, plus learning special skills like second language, maybe second martial arts, things like that. Yeah. At that point, you have more time for it, but trying to do everything at once just doesn't work. Yeah, it's like Matt and I were talking about this the other day. It's like going up a ladder, like swinging up a ladder. So at first, like let's say you're in the nine to five and you're trying to work an online business, that nine to five is going to be sustaining your life in terms of finances, but you can build the online business to the point where it exceeds the nine to five. And maybe it's service work. So maybe you're doing like one-on-one coaching or for me right now, it's like service-based ghostwriting and audience building. But mm. hopefully I can, that starts to exceed what the nine to five would be. So now I don't have to do the nine to five and now I can build something to exceed the service. So that would be like yeah. just gaining more leverage. So like for you, like selling a fitness course or product. For me, maybe doing similar things. Um, and then you just keep leveling up as you go and you keep gaining more leverage over your time. And at that point, like you have the time and income to do all these little things. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I wanted to I wanted to swing into a bit of a different topic and the topic yes, that really inspired this podcast because so Leon sent me a 15 minute voice message. <laughs> Of his entire, up into a few, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, his entire philosophy around approaching girls in a coffee shop. And I think this is a topic that a lot of young guys, like they're scared mm. of. Like I talk to a lot of guys that have never cold approached a girl in their life. I and, haven't either. Yeah. I haven't, oh, I haven't okay. even either. You yeah. never cold approached. Okay. Not one. Way too nervous and shy to. Yeah. But I would I would say the coffee shop talking to a girl in a coffee shop like that is cold approach. But we we can go into specifics. But the whole point of the way I do it is that it's not like cold approaching at all. So you can go into that if you want. Yeah, let's do it. It's more of like a warm lead, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. 100%. Yeah. Outline yeah. the philosophy. It was really good. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So basically, so um, when I do my online business work, I like to go to coffee shops, do the works, like getting out of the house, start environment, etc. And obviously I like meeting people, meeting girls as well. So normally at coffee shops, especially in like Spain, at least that's America, there's normally some cute baristas working there. So rather than just go in and just ask them as soon as I see them, like a cold approach, what I do is I just walk in there, like order my food, order my coffee and stuff. And once I've been there a few times, because I go to the coffee shops regularly, then after they take my order, I'll just ask them what their name is. And then as soon as I do that, it's really weird. They like completely open up their face and eyes light up, they really smile. And it's like they go from being just like an icon of getting coffee, an actual human being. And they really open up to that really good conversation from then on. So then, yeah, like you can just chat a bit then just casually because you're familiar with them. You go there all the time, see each other a lot. Normally, they'll say something like, oh, I see you here all the time. What do you do here? And then you can tell them. So like for me, that's I have an online fitness coaching business, so I come here to do the work for it or the work for it. So yeah, and then you just keep things casual, just chatting. And then every time you then go in, you just talk to them a bit more. And just like, it's like building rapport, you're just getting close and everything. 
And then eventually you can start like seeing signs if they like you. They do like you, they start showing, showing you signs. And then if you like them back, you can then ask them out. And odds are they'll say yes, because you've waited to do it once they've shown signs. And then when you ask them out, obviously it's a little bit nervous, like when you're popping the question, but in general, it's so much less nerve-wracking like a cold approach because you already know she probably likes you. You've already talked to her a lot anyway, so you're familiar with her. And it's just so much nicer. So, yeah, we can go into like specifics. Always. It's a 15-minute voice nice. Yeah, she <laughs> asked me questions. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think something to note is, like, even if you're not trying to, like, pick up a barista or, like, mm. even if it's a guy barista, like, what I've been oh, doing. Oh, so that, that, that's something I mentioned now, actually, as well. Is, yeah, 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 when I go there. Once I've seen the barista a few times, I ask their name. And I do that with all of the baristas, every mm -hmm. single one of them, which also means as well the girls know I'm not just there to chat them up. It's just something I do with everyone. So, yeah, I ask all the baristas their names, like even the guys as well. So, yeah, it's a big part of it. Yeah, that is such a valid point because something I've been doing here and my conversational skills are pretty limited because of the Spanish. But, like, yeah. I've been going to the same couple coffee shops in my neighborhood. And so, obviously, I get to, like, see the same baristas like in the same mm. managers and everything and so just asking them their name and just saying like encantado like nice to meet you yeah they treat I, I you well. so much differently <laughs> yeah, like they like do. they're literally yeah. like just bringing me glasses of water when they see my water's done i'm like just by just by <laughs> yeah. treating them like a human being and just like being totally. a nice person like it just comes back in such good ways and it just brightens up your day right instead of just mm. like mindlessly going in there and be like can i just get my coffee and not want to talk <laughs> now you just bring up yeah. the mood and then for me i actually i have a better work session because yeah. now i have this good rapport but yeah so tell me a little bit more about like those signs like how do you know as yeah. a guy like when the girl is into you versus when she's not interested yes yeah, a really important question obviously so like specifically in the coffee shop so um there's like there's two things i've noticed two big things i've noticed really so one of them this is like such like a little hack so basically so obviously i order coffee right and then you get some coffees it was like americano there's like no milk no like cream on top whatever or you can order a coffee where there's some sort of milk or cream so that they can like draw a shape in it you know in coffees the priests can make shapes in it yeah so all that like in spanish is like cafe con leche which is coffee of milk so then they can draw a shape on it. So I order that from the moment I walk in, like first time. So then I'll see what shape they give me. So if they give me a love heart straight off the bat, I know. They probably just do that for every customer. That's just normal. But normally they don't. Normally, they'll just be in a standard shape like a leaf. And then as I get talking with them more, as the weeks go by, days go by, if they then switch and start putting a love heart in the coffee, then I know they're showing me that they're interested in me me to ask them out so that's really clear on the love heart that's happened to me both times now yeah they just stop putting love on the coffee and another one as well is so as i said earlier you go in once you know each other like you ask their name etc you have little quick conversations but you only keep them going normally for just like 30 seconds a minute just a quick one then you move on and then what you notice is what you can do is after like a minute if like the conversations come to natural conclusion you finish talking about that topic, just stand there in silence for just a second. And then if they say nothing, just yeah, walk away. But it's not awkward, it's just a second. But if they like you, 
what normally happens is they'll then just think of a completely new random topic just to keep on talking to you. And then you can do that several times. If they keep doing that, then you know they probably like you because if they didn't, why do they keep wanting to talk to you? So with the most recent girl I've got a date with, that was like the second one I knew. It was Love Hearts and the Coffee, obviously, as well. It was because normally we just had like 30 second one minute conversations. But then what happened was, had the one minute, I just stood there for a second. And then she just thought of something random new to talk about. And she did that like two, three times every conversation. So like on the last day before I asked her out, we had like three, four, five, 10 minute conversations that day. I was just bringing my coffee and things because she just kept the conversation going every time. So that was sort of main one I knew. So it's yeah, they keep the conversation going like on purpose and they like give you love hearts in your coffee but didn't before. Those two main ways to coffee shop. Yeah. And once you get to the date, what is your philosophy or approach during the date? Like how, how are you navigating it? Yes, with the date, what, so what I sort of like, so I haven't got that much experience going like new dates with girls. I like one long-term relationship a while ago. I had a few dates here and there, but not much. But really what I do on dates is just like, I think a big thing with guys is we like really want to get with the girl, et cetera. That just makes you nervous, which makes you less likely to get with the girl. So I just like focus on now. I just think, okay, I just want to enjoy myself, have a good conversation. I'll let you just aim for that. Obviously, I'll be like ready if things escalate, whatever. But really, just like, just aim to enjoy yourself, have a good conversation. And then you just aim for that. The vibes are so much better from the date. So, and then obviously, since you're not nervous, more confident, but a good conversation, she's happy, then yeah, she's probably more into you. Yeah, and it's switching the mindset between needing to like impress her to like, mm. is this girl up to my standards? Um, 100%, there's, that's a big thing. Yeah, there's this, uh, there's this fitness coach, fitness influencer from the UK, James Smith. Do you know him? Yeah, I know him, yeah. Yeah, so he has a book about confidence and mm. he talks a lot about this exact topic of like, just reframe your definition of failure. Like reframe mm. your definition of like, being needy for a girl versus like they need to impress you. And there's another book I think that I'm actually confusing it with. It's called Models by Mark Manson. It's a great yeah, I've, book. I've, like listen to that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a great book on dating and just not being so needy as a guy because mm. I think sometimes, and I've been a victim of this. I think we all have. Is like Same, you yeah. see a you see a hot girl and you put her on a pedestal, but like yeah. why? Just because of her physical appearance. So yeah realizing that okay yeah she's pretty but like that doesn't mean she's better than you or above you and like reframing it to like okay like I have a standard myself like is she up to the standard and then actually I was listening to this podcast with uh Greg O'Gallagher Kino Vladi mm. and he was talking about you know when you go to the date you want to sit back and like you want to ask her questions right you don't want to be the one yeah. talking the entire time you want to let her talk about herself and I think yeah. for a couple of reasons, because if you show you're interested in her with all these questions, she'll, she'll probably like you more. But another thing is like, you're trying to vet her and see like, is this girl up to my standards, right? Yeah, 100%. So that's been my yeah. approach recently. Um, mm. I, haven't, I haven't done a lot of the cold approaching in person here. It's been more through like dating apps, but what, yeah. is, your, what is your approach on dating apps? Yeah, so dating apps, um... I use dating apps a little, but not much. I tried them in Barcelona last summer. 
But for me, I really didn't make much success on dating apps. I got some matches, but I found that like, with girls on dating apps, so many of them literally won't go on a date. Yeah. So many of them are just there to just harvest validation. So dating apps can be a bit hit and miss. I would say, though, like dating apps can be really, really good if you're like an absolute top level guy, which I wouldn't say I am yet. But mm -hmm. dating apps are difficult. If you're like a top, top guy, then they, they can work really well. Like one of my friends, he did very well on dating apps last summer. But dating apps can be difficult. And that's sort of why. I like the coffee shop game approach, talking to girls in real life more, because as like the dating apps, it's extremely superficial, right? It's based on how good looking you are, completely your pitch, etc. No sense of personality, but in real life, you have that chance to share personality, to just talk and connect. So I think that gives you a way better opportunity as well. Definitely. And two things going off that. Like the one, like the girls don't want to go on the date a lot. They're just looking for validation. I think it's probably true yeah. for guys too. Yes, yeah, definitely. I have in my bio, it's like only swipe right if you're actually wanting to go on a date. That's so really I'm good. To like, yeah. I'm trying to weed <laughs> yeah. them out a little bit like that. Yeah. But dude, there's so well, actually, Speaking of that, actually, yeah, yeah. I just, I saw something a few days ago. Um, the YouTuber's called Based Zeus. Have you heard of him? A little bit. Yeah. I've never seen him, yeah. video, but I've heard of him. Yeah. He literally has like a dating app opener. So this is the first message you send to go on your match. And it's, when's our first date? Question mark. That's literally the opening message. And he said it's so good because obviously it goes straight for the first date. So you've got no opportunity to waste your time with girls who don't want to go on a first date. Because mm -hmm. if a girl's just there to not get dates, she just won't reply. Then you don't have to waste your time going back and forth with her. Then the girls who are there to date, then yeah, they'll probably reply. Another thing as well is... It can look really good in terms of confidence. It can sort of look like you're, you're a guy who's used to getting texts from dating apps. That frame is really important. So just the opener getting straight to the point of that can be good for that as well. Do you think it's too forward though? Like, do you think you need to, yeah. like, I'm kind of equating it to like a lead for a client or something. Like you're yeah, not just yeah. going to sign a client right away. You need to like develop a little bit of rapport, I feel like. So but yeah, it's interesting. I yeah, don't know. It, yeah, it can go both ways. Yeah, it definitely can go both ways. Like it can look like you're too needy, or it can look like you're used to getting dates. So you can only go both ways. But I think the main point is just like getting direct straight to the point, especially with um like dating apps as well. Like on a dating app, a girl will know whether or not she was at least once gone on a date with you the moment she sees your profile. So yeah. it's like you don't need to chat to people that report. For, for them to decide, oh, he seems like a nice guy, so let's go on a date. They just know from looking at you. And it's like, the point of the day is to get to know each other. Not going to get to know each other, that will over text anyway. So mm -hmm. I just think going straight for the day can be effective. But this is something I tried myself. It's just something I saw about the guy, which is interesting. Yeah, I completely agree with the philosophy. And something that I'm trying to figure out now is like, okay, the dating is kind of a vetting process or like you're trying to filter yeah. through like, okay, like I'm trying to actually find somebody who's really like-minded. And I've been on, since I've been here, I've only been here like three, three and a half weeks, but I've gone on two dates and like the girls were really cool. They're sweet, but just not, it, we're just not compatible. I don't think. And so yeah. how do you like let somebody down without like being a dick or like, do you just ghost them or how does it work in your opinion? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I'd say ghosting isn't nice. Definitely don't ghost. I think that's just 
people will be able to settle on their ends. I, I think, I think like honesty is good because I think when I know like when someone you're dating stops seeing you, it was like casual thing. A big part of like the emotion upset from that is not knowing what went wrong. You just have to speculate. So if you can just give somebody a reason, like for example, hi, I had a good time with you, but I just don't like we're compatible. So we'll leave things there. Just something like that. Like another thing as well is because you're not planning on seeing her again, you don't need to try and say something that sounds cool, makes you look good. I'm not trying to impress her. You can be open and honest, you're ending things there. So I just think how that direct, honest approach can just be a good thing and just yeah, tell the truth through. Yeah, I like that. I think I appreciate it, it, that as well. Because like, so in like modern dating, everyone is getting messed around a lot by people, I think. Like guys get messed around, girls get messed around. So just being direct and honest, I think like girls, guys would appreciate that. Definitely. And it is uncomfortable to like say something mm. like that, but it is yeah. better than probably just leaving them wondering like what happened. Yeah. Um, that probably makes them feel worse. But yeah, it's, it, it's interesting because obviously like going on one date does not mean any type of commitment, but cutting it off is always like hard, even if it's been one day, mm. just like, you don't want, I just, I have a aversion yeah. to being perceived as an asshole. I think. Yeah. That's natural. Yeah. But I just think like being honest, I don't think that was even asshole for being like, oh, I had a good time with you. But I just don't quite feel like we're compatible. That's not being an asshole. And it's like, yeah. The, the key thing is like what words you use because it's like she can't argue with you being not being compatible like yeah. it's on your end too it's just compatible yeah. it's like not saying something wrong with her it's just like you two in particular together it just doesn't work it's like saying oh yeah i didn't enjoy the day so bye it's yeah. just like yes yeah, not being compatible so yeah i think that's okay yeah it's all about just letting people down easy i think in all areas yeah. of life um but do you what do you think the odds are that you meet like a girlfriend or like a long term through the internet yes good question so about that i would say i think the odds are quite high because obviously people spend so much time online now so there's loads of opportunities connected to people online like for instagram dating apps mm -hmm. and some argument somebody can make could be like I know a lot of the girls on dating might be low quality and that could be the case for a lot of them, but not necessarily literally all of them. And you can find out what their quality is like, how good they are for you. Just going on a date and talking to them. It's mm -hmm. like for me, like the online dating, like the online connected people stuff that you're dating, it's not to like have a relationship or find out exactly who they are online. It's just a means to then get in person with them and then you can connect in person. And then you can see what they're like. I think it's just like getting on day ASAP and bringing things into real life. Because like for me, for example, many having dating through like the coffee shop stuff now, it's so much more natural. It's much more normal. And there you get such a good sense of sort of person that they are. So you don't need to worry so much about like what their qualities is online. Just get with them in person and see. Yeah, I think the bridging the online to in-person is necessary. Yeah. But an interesting thing that I've started to notice since starting to like create on Twitter and create online is like the amount of like-minded people you can just meet through the internet. Like, yeah. I mean, this conversation, we would have never met each other had we not started posting on Twitter. Yeah. Like one of my best friends I'm literally living with here in Argentina, like, because I mm -hmm. met him through Twitter and yeah. 
I'm starting to see like, whoa, you can really meet a lot of like-minded people through the internet. And I think it could be the same with, with uh, dating, but there's some interesting speculations about like the role AI could play in this. And so the idea is like, since AI will be able to basically aggregate like all your data, it could potentially pair you up with like your most compatible ideal person. And mm. part of that scares me because it seems so deterministic, but part of it is kind of exciting. Like if I got, if I hopped on like an AI dating app and it was like, it was only filtered for people around the world that were super compatible with me, like that would kind of be exciting. So I don't know yeah. what are your thoughts on that. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it's an issue really. And like, when it's deterministic, it's just a way to find people that are more compatible with you. And obviously, yeah, like the AI, all the AI is doing is just putting you in touch. Then once you meet in person, obviously, decide where to go from there. But yeah, I think it's just an opportunity to meet people. I think a lot of stuff to do with AI is just sort of like improving existing processes. Is not necessarily going to be a super bad thing? It really depends on the context. Like, like AI in itself isn't necessarily good or bad. It depends on the context that's being used. Like mm-hmm. social media. We could say like social media is bad because of all like these uh, content, because like the comparison makes you feel worse about yourself. But then social media gives you the opportunity to have a super fulfilling online business. So I think it really depends on how you use it. I love that approach. It's all about how you use it because I used to use social media for like so much harm. I'd say like yeah, the first- exactly like the first 20 years of my life, just like scrolling yeah. degeneracy, like not good stuff. And only over the past year have I flipped it to now it's a positive and it's literally changed my exactly. life. And I think AI will be similar. Like the people who already are into self-improvement and like bettering their lives are going to be able to use it to do so. But the people that are already destroying their lives are just going to do so even more. I think it's just exactly. going to accelerate that. Yeah. yeah 100%. And Yes, yeah, but how it's used, isn't it? And obviously with AI, it's like amplifier. So for example, um, like AI will allow like rich people at the top to get exponentially more richer, help the creators scale even more. Mm-hmm. Then conversely, it will like the, the guys are hooked on video games, the guys are hooked on like porn, for example, things are gonna exponentially worse for them. Yeah. Because it's even more enticing. So it'd be like the people at the top just get even better. And people at Boston are just getting worse. Everything's yeah. exponential. And I think it's the role of the people at the top or the people on the good path to bring these people up with them. And honestly, I think that's what we're trying to do, like in a long run with all this creator stuff. Yeah. I think we're in a similar spot with like fitness and health. Like if we could impact, like, okay, if you're an in-person fitness trainer, you can only impact like maybe eight people a day, right? Eight hours, yeah. one person an hour. If you're an online fitness coach, you can impact thousands of people a day. And now imagine if there's thousands of fitness coaches impacting thousands of people, like the collective, the collective health of humanity will increase. And the same goes for like self-improvement or psychology or writing or technology. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm very optimistic. I'm like an irrational optimist. I am so optimistic about the future because for two reasons, I think technology always has increased not always, but I'd say on average, it's increased daily life for people. And then also mm. like, why, why not be an optimist? Like, it's not fun to be a pessimist. There's the best way to be. Yeah. 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 There's yeah. No that's the best way to be. Yeah. Definitely.
Yeah, exactly. Like the online creators, like the fitness coaches, and from YouTubers, hundred percent. As like AI helps them scale even more, that literally means their ideas are positively impacting even more people. Like yes. Hamza, for example, he's just about to hit two million subscribers. Imagine like, let's say Hamza, for example, I imagine a version of Hamza um, was like born earlier, then started creating content like five years time when AI was far more advanced. Imagine if Hamza could have leveraged AI to grow his audience. Yeah, right. If I done like, he's reached like two mil subscribers in like three years with no AI. So if you had AI, maybe you could have done like 20 more subscribers in three years. Right. You can just leverage it to like spread your message so much further, 100%. Yeah. And some people would say like the creator economy or like the creator market is oversaturated, but I don't think so, dude. I think no, everybody, I think everybody could be a creator. Like in a hundred years, if AI is able to outsource all the meaningless, like grunt work that humans have done for hundreds of years, we will all be free to be creators and we'll all have like a little tribe of people that fund our lives. Right. Like there's a, there's a great blog post. Uh, I forget who it's by, but it talks about like, you only need a thousand true fans to like fund your yeah, life, right? If you have a thousand real fans paying you $10 a month, that's a $10,000 a month. You're much, you're way above the, the wealth line. So, yeah. and the thing that the internet does is it allows any niche interest to attract other people who are interested in that. Like you could be interested in fitness, online business and spirituality and like that unique intersection where there will be thousands of people around the world like that, but the yeah. internet allows them to fund your life. So I I'm very optimistic about the creator economy. I mean, we're biased. Yeah. 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 It will continue growing. Of course. Like we've seen like we've been on Twitter now for like, I'm nearly 10 months. You're like six, seven months. How long have you been on for? About six and a half, seven months. Yeah. yeah. As we've seen, there's always new, creators come along we always see new faces yeah. and um like danko explains a lot about how it can't be saturated and if you just think about it it's like still right now so few people are creators compared to consumers it's still such a minority it's like one percent creators maybe even less yeah so realistically like it won't get saturated there's just so much room for expansion so so much room and like as a creator for example yourself it's like you're like 100% pure creator. You consume other people's stuff as well. Exactly. So it's just like an economy, isn't it? Yes. Obviously, like the businesses, they create products, consumers buy their products, and the businesses, they buy product suppliers, other people. It's all just an economy. So yeah, I think it was for the similar principles to the standard economy, really. So you won't get saturated. So driven for improvement. That's something that's happened with like just economics development in general isn't it like economies just get more and more rich compounding every year there's no real stop to it like um i remember hearing the stat from jordan peterson for example about how like absolute poverty mm -hmm. in like in, like, su like sub-saharan africa halved from 2000 to 2012 yes things exponential like there's no point where we've seen something like oh humanity we've maxed out now things are going to end here like we're never getting close it's just constantly improving so yeah, it's nothing to worry about. 100%. And I think the creator economy fits the entire mold of like more power to individuals, right? Because yeah. as these big corporations 
they start to lose power, individuals become more powerful. And so like, it's actually interesting. I was listening to this thing last night and it was like in the eighties and nineties, people who worked in startups, like obviously startups are a derivative of these big companies. They're usually leaner. They have less people, more autonomy and power to individuals. They were looked at in the eighties and nineties as like, Oh, like they're like, they're just the startup people or like they're scoffed upon, like they're kind of the unemployed. And I think the same thing is happening now with the creator economy, right? It's just less power to big organizations and more power to individuals. And it's just going to keep happening. And I think like, I mean, obviously I keep saying this, we're biased, but I think the creator economy will be the new economy in the next hundred years. And so if you're listening to this and you're not creating, I'd say like, you should get in there. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no 100 percent. it will just continue to expand it was continuing to expand and like big part of it is also the education system so like university enrollment rates like the u.s are already declining less and less people are going to university and they've got to learn how to make money somehow so alternative education online education that's the continuing growing it's just yeah just there's like I just sort of think it's like we can just assume that it will grow. What would stop it? In general, it's the evolution of the economy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. People make valuable products, people buy them. That's how it's always been. So it just grow and grow and grow. Exactly. It's so exciting for me, like just thinking about the future. Yeah. Um, and like the path we're on. I'm excited. But what yeah. is what's next for you right now? Like, what do you envision the next year or so to look like? Yeah, so I'm in Spain for another like three months, there were three months. Then I go back to the UK for a couple of year, couple of months. Then I've got my final year of university to finish. But right now, I just focusing on like scaling more online business. Um, that's the main goal to be finishing this year, finishing my internship. But my main focus is just scaling online business. That's the main thing. And then once that's scaled, I'll be like really happy with the level of income and security I'm at. And then it will be dragging through my final year of university. And then it'll be like a graduate student on free, living in Latin America, digital nomad from then on. So really yeah. it's just sort of like scaled online business, be patient, get through university. Then like in June, 2024, once I graduate, then I'll be free traveling the world. That's what I've got in Dude, mind. It's so fascinating because we're in the same exact spot timeline wise. Yeah. Up until a month ago when my entire belief system changed and I decided yeah. to leave school. Um, yeah. But yeah, that that is it's very interesting. Tempting. What, it's been what very, is, very what's tempting. Keeping you but, in? Yeah. What's keeping what's you keeping in school in? right now? Yeah. So, so one thing is just like I've only got one year left, which is more like eight months, really. And also half of the degree is Spanish, which I have no issue. <clears throat> I have no issue spending yeah. time learning. It's important yeah. to me. Because like I've got like half. So that's like I've got basically four months left. And it's whilst I'm at uni with people I like is uni so I have a lot of time with online business when I spend that many hours studying so even though it sounds like a year really is far less time than that it's not that long and it's like I've already invested three years all the tuition fees I'm like quite close to the end already so it just feels like I'm quite close to the end already so I might as well finish it but yeah it, it's difficult it's difficult and then also it's sort of like I hate to ask the word I'm not Technically, it's like a backup plan. If like online business somehow doesn't work, it's something, but that's not really much for justification either. So I don't believe in that. I have no idea how 
the land business wouldn't work. So yeah, yeah it's just I'm I'm really close to the end already. And then it's like once I'm done, I'm fully free, 22 years old, got a degree, done like done forever. I'm yeah. fully with life. Yeah. 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 I think either way, like you're in a good spot. Like a year, yeah. Or, like a year or not a year, like you're in a good spot and you'll be 22. Like your your whole life yeah. is still ahead of you. But yeah, maybe exactly. we'll, we'll have to talk off camera about. Uh, I don't want to like. Maybe I could challenge your beliefs or like. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. No, that's right. Trust me, Jack. I, I've thought about this so much. Yeah, <laughs> I thought about it so it's, much, but yeah, it's interesting yeah. being in this spot because it's unconventional, of course, to like even have those thoughts and. You know, there's no like one size fits all the right approach. Everybody's situation is independent and everybody has to make a decision based on their own lives. But yeah, I think even the fact that you're set up for a different path post-college, you're already way ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah. Like, as I said, it's not that much long left. Like, I've got like two and a half weeks left my internship. And I'm done with uni for this year in early May. So then I've got May, June, July, August, September off. Of my final year, which is like eight months, half as Spanish, that's fine. Just like it really isn't that much time left, so I'm okay with yeah. it. And then I've got to go, I've got it forever, so that's sort of the mindset towards it. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a knife edge, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see by the time you graduate, like how far you are in this Twitter game. So that's it's another thing, crazy. as well. I'll say, yeah, it's like another thing as well is by the end, I'll have so much more leverage than I do now, yeah, so much more. So it's like me having this degree, it sort of like allows me to have more like mental patience with it because mm-hmm. it's like I don't have to rush 100% results right now because yeah. I'm sort of being forced to be patient. So it's like I'm given time to build up, focus more on the high leverage actions rather than trying to rush an income now, mm-hmm. things like that. And obviously, like if I were to leave now, like that is a bit precarious. But once I graduate, I'll be so, so, so set that my lifestyle from there will be absolutely 100% amazing. So it's something, it's like, a, it's like it's less stressful route as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's important because stress can really get to my business game. Mm-hmm. And me as well, like doing, it's another thing as well, just in general for the audience, I guess. So if you're in a field where you make your money, like through sales calls, you need like sales calls with service and things, a massive thing with closing clients is not being needy, not needing the sale. So if you really like take the risk and you need the sale for literally you need the money, then you might have just shot yourself in the foot in terms of getting sales. That can be an issue as well. So totally, that's another thing that I've been thinking about. But honestly, I'm not seeing that to convince anyone to stay in uni at all. This is just me for my circumstances. Like I, I super respect how you and Matt are just done with uni now. I super respect it. It's like, I honestly, I do feel a bit jealous sometimes as well that I saw you're living, but it's what it is. I could do that technically, but it's just, you know, we'll, we'll be there next year. I'm only 20, so I'll yeah. be like 21 in like nine months by the time I finish uni, so. Yeah. yeah. Dude, and yeah. like the thing about these personal brands and the online stuff is like, it's going to last our entire life. And I think exactly. that's why being patient with it is so it, it's such a good mindset because now that I'm doing this full time, I feel this urgency to like, oh my God, I have to like, I have to do it all the time. And I feel yeah. such a pressure to like make money and stuff. Luckily, yeah. like 
the way I'm making money is a bit independent of how I probably will make money in the next couple of years because I'm making money more in like freelance service-based ghostwriting. And in the long run, it'll be more like maybe productized stuff. But yeah, yeah, that's something I don't want to get caught up too quick in is like selling out too quick because you don't want to be the guy who's like just selling on a timeline all the time or just like trying to get people to buy your products at like 10K followers, right? Like, yeah. I've heard some approaches. It's like the longer you can delay and the longer you can just give, give, give. And then eventually you ask, you build up so much goodwill to the point where like 100%. you can cash out eventually. And so, yeah, dude, like so true. you have over a year, like to build up that goodwill and then like not yeah. necessarily need like full income. Like, yeah. Like I think either way there's positives, there's pros and cons to staying in college and there's pros and cons yeah. to leaving. Right. Yeah. What happened for me is like the pros of leaving started to outweigh the pros of staying by a lot. And that's when I made the yeah. But for everybody, yeah. it's different. It's independent of circumstance. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's been a situation. I run, like for now, like for me right now, it's really close. It's not clear either way. Yeah. So I'm just sticking out because I feel like it's not that much time left. And I don't want to deal with the stress because the stress can really mess you up. Like, for example, like if, I, yeah. if I was like drop out and then for whatever reason, I just didn't close any new clients like month, two months, I'll like be stressed out of my mind. And then yeah. how am I then going to close sales calls stressed out of my mind? I just can't. And then what do I do? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's a close one. It depends on your circumstances. That's the thing. It yeah. really does. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. We should do this again, like in a year or so, and like see where we're both at. Yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah. Let's do it. Hundred percent. Maybe maybe we can do like a live one. So I'll be in Latin America. So yeah. I'll be very close to Buenos Aires. Like the same thing on Paraguay is like an hour and a half of Buenos Aires. So interesting. I don't know if I'll. I probably won't be. Oh yeah. I forgot you live there temporarily, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. I'll I'll be here for the next two months, and then. From there, I don't know. I'm thinking Bali right now because yeah, I really uh, you know I want to be around. Carson? Yeah, yeah. You know, Tim, he's in Southeast Asia. I think Bali this summer. Really? Oh, I didn't I think even, so. Okay. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know. So him. <laughs> yeah, he actually came on my podcast back in like October, and he was the one who even introduced the idea of ghostwriting to me. So that's oh wow, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's Bali this summer. But someone's gonna add though. It's like from next on once I'm free universe and everything and got like all the online income, then we can meet up anywhere in the world. Yeah. Like in general, it's like um, two weeks ago, me, Fernando, Tim, Nilsson, Connor, met up in Barcelona. And it's yeah. like a few of us are still in like degrees and jobs and things. So it's a bit limited, but not before long, we're all 100% going to be geographically freed up, no jobs, no degrees. So then... Your social yeah. circle, you can meet up at any place in the world you want, whenever you want, no problem. See, that unlocks things up completely as well. Another massive benefit of my business. Yeah, it's beautiful, dude. Like, yeah. the online world is making us more free than any humans have ever been in the history of the world. It is. 100%. I am so grateful to be alive at this time and taking advantage yeah. of this opportunity. It's, it's unbelievable. Exactly. I think um, this is something I mentioned to Tim in Barcelona a couple of weeks ago. And it was that in terms of like traveling, like a digital nomad on like 3K a month has like more power, power to travel than like a king would in like recent times, like before planes existed. Like the level of ability we've got is insane. 
And it's like the living standards as well. You can live so nice and much money at all. So many nice countries in the world. Dude, that is such a crazy analogy. I I never thought about it that way, but it's so true. Like, yeah, we have access to more than any people in the history of civilization, even the most powerful. Yeah. Exactly. And I think your point about like you can live for cheap is so true. Like, I could survive here for probably like a thousand dollars a month. Like, yeah. And if you're making US money from online income and then you're living in a place like this, it's like you can. It's very I saw I saw an analogy. Yeah. So if you're making like 5K a month here in Buenos Aires, it's really like making like 15K a month in the US just because yeah. of like the amount of cost of living. And so like there are the people who are like going the investment banking route or like the really high paying corporate route. Yeah, they might be making more on paper, but how much are you saving a month? How much are you working? Where are you living, yeah. right? Yeah. Exactly. Another thing was like the quality of life. Like I would literally rather be in Latin America on like $800 a month yeah. than in like some corporate job in the rainy UK for 8K a month. Like I don't care. Like we're going to enjoy more. Living in Latin America, sunny, nice foods, free, or being chained to a desk in office in the UK or US. Like it's just, and that's the why simple I left things school. really make you happy. Yeah. That, that's exactly why I left school because I figured, okay, any job that the degree qualified me for was going to be a worse quality of life than yeah. me living for a thousand dollars a month in, in South America. And yeah. once I had that belief switch, it was like, okay, like I'm, I'm doing it. And yeah. obviously it took, it was a long time coming and it was a hard decision. And dude, like mm. full transparency, I'm technically still a student. Actually I'm on a gap quarter. Um, yeah. And, and it like hedging my bets. So like, if I came down here and I completely failed at online business, like, okay, I could just go back to school next year and graduate at the exact same time as you. But I, I'm so driven during these like six months off to do so well with online business that I'm never going to have to go back. And that's what's 100%. driving me, but 100%. I'm te technically still a student. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. Yeah. That's the thing as always, like we see how much better life can be. So that's why you put so much effort into it. Like for you, for example, saying, well, I'll just do whatever it takes to make it work because this is what I need for my life. Yeah. It's like for me, for example, that's why I started my business on Twitter, not knowing whether it's going to work or not, but just thinking, well, I need to make this successful to get the life I want. I'll just do whatever it takes. I think I can do it. And yeah. I basically have. So when you have that level of determination, you can just make it work. Yeah, 100%. Dude, I'm so excited to see where we're at in like a year. I think this yeah. is probably a good, good place to hop off. This was a Definitely. really fun conversation yeah. though. Really good. Yeah, Dude, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It's been a really good conversation. Hell yeah. Thanks, bro. Okay. Peace. Right.